yo 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 you're tuned into between me and you a real talk podcast rashad it's the start of black history my man i can't introduce myself anymore you know yeah yeah let's, uh, let's let's just do that uh who am i who am i with my name is andrew Muzi, by the way and i'm also rashad alexander and today we got some really important guests here on the show as we mentioned before as we mentioned right now it's black history month and we decided this month we gonna have a bunch of different black leaders and black students mm-hmm. on campus and, and other people as well to be able to speak on certain things uh but but before we get to them we want to make sure that this is not going to be just any like let's introduce them and learn more about them you're going to learn more about them but this is a real talk podcast we're going to talk about some real things this month oh for sure Shad and I, we have some a lot of big things planned for this month and uh i know of course avi will be joining us virtually he will not be with us today um but you know we we have some things planned mm-hmm. for this month yeah and obviously um this is for everyone to listen to not just you know black people right. so right. please mm-hmm. tap in <clears throat> dang i'm 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 like I'm, i feel like jordan right now man Uh-oh. i'm sorry i'm doing this flu game flu, flu game. game right now man <laughs> I'm I'm going through it, but we are gonna be straight. Anyways, who's in the studio today? Who's who's with us? Who, ma'am? Who are you right here? Uh, <laughs> ma'am, ma'am makes me sound so old. Um, <laughs> well, my name is Hope Moses. Um, I'm a journalism major from Milwaukee, from the Northwest side. Four one four, man. Four one four. You're not even from. You're not from. I love my city. I love my city, man. I love my city. Chicago. But. All right, chill. He's chill, called chill. Milwaukee a city. Dang. Anyway, let's, let's, let's anyways, let's, yeah. anyways, yeah. So I'm from Milwaukee, journalism major, um, and I'm excited to be here. I got some stuff to say. So we got some stuff to say. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh shoot! <laughs> All right. Well, that's why she's on the show. You know what I mean? That makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And well, who are well, you, good sir? What's up? What's up? My name is Trevor Morris. I'm from Dallas, Texas, repping the two one four. Um, I'm a double major in psych and crim. And a little about me, I do a lot of work with formerly incarcerated citizens, so I got a lot of mm. stuff to say as well with this conversation today. And that's why they on here. It's a real talk podcast. It's between me and you. It's between me and you. And Trevor didn't even say this in his intro, but he's the strongest man on Marquette's campus as well. <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> this dude, tell, tell us about your, your, your great feat that you just accomplished. All right, so I'm on the powerlifting team. Okay, that makes sense. And uh, I've been <laughs> and I've been uh, competing, and then at this last meet, I technically qualified for nationals, and I won a medal. Yes, sir. Uh, unfortunately, though, nationals reached their max capacity, so I can't make it. And so we are celebrating retirement, and so wow. I am done competing, but made a lot of had a lot of nice features. Now I could teach the youngins and raise up some more strong men. So, yeah. It's been a good yeah. run, though. It has been. But I don't know how much my body could take, man. My knees be feeling like Rashad's these days. Chill. <laughs> what, what does that mean? Wait, what does that mean, though? <laughs> Weak knees. I saw, ah. I saw that basketball oh game on YouTube. Yes, yeah. yes. My man can jump. Hey, Rashad look, is sick. Nobody want to play me one-on-one for money, though. That's all I'm going to say. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> Listen, uh, for those that, that need or want context, Rashad and I filmed a Last Dance parody, I guess you would say, one-on-one. Um, go check it out. It is um, on Marquette Lately, which is our entertainment TV show. On Marquette TV. On Marquette University Television mm-hmm. on YouTube. You can also check it out on my my, uh, my TikTok as well. That's, uh, that's my very first TikTok. That, so, man, uh, that, that man trying to get clout <laughs> off my name. You know, that would be, uh, <laughs> be very uh, greatly appreciated. Can't make this stuff up, bro. Can't, can't, cannot. Um, but of course, 
like we said before, this is Black History Month, and this is a time where a lot of us reflect on our history. Mm-hmm. Some people like the idea of Black History Month. Some people do not like the idea of Black History Month because black history is um, U.S. history. So um, you can't just limit it, limit it uh, to just one month. But um, we all have faced different experiences. And I know Trevor, Rashad, and I, we um, went to Sobelman's last semester and we kind of had these pre-talks about, you know, the black community on campus, how we grew up and everything. Um, I think I, and I told this to Rashad, mm-hmm. I feel like I mostly like connect with Trevor on the fact that, you know, I didn't really grow up, go into a school that was predominantly black or minority filled. Um, and of course you get those sayings like Oreo and you talk wide and all this other stuff trying to fit in. Um, you all have kind of heard my story on it, but Trevor, can you talk about that and growing up um, yeah. sounding quote unquote proper and, and all that? Yeah, absolutely. So like I said, I'm from Dallas, but key, I'm from a suburb outside of Dallas. And at the first neighborhood I lived in, it was like predominantly like Latinx community, but not didn't give us the best like future opportunities with schooling and work and everything. So my parents moved us to a more predominantly white neighborhood just so like better our opportunities and so my whole life I've grown up with around people who identify as Caucasian and when I you know grow up around that you know a lot of people say like you're just like your best friend because you're around them the whole time well like growing up in a community like that you know I can quote unquote take on some white features but then as like as I grow older like you know had more education like race and things around like how we talk and like code switching and stuff like that, you know. When I when I'm around people who look like me, I'm talking I'm talking you know different because I that my more quote unquote blackness is coming out because I'm yeah. like okay yeah these my these are like my family right right. But then when I'm around like the white community, I'm talking a different way because I'm like well if I talk in a certain way, they're gonna have certain mm-hmm. views on me. Mm-hmm. And so you know you said the phrase Oreo boy. If I had a dollar for every time someone called me an Oreo growing up, I mean I'll be rich. And like that's what everyone talked about, and it did like back then. It, it really upset me because I'm like, you guys don't understand, you know, the burden of being a black man and how how little it takes for me to do something and for y'all to for y'all to just kind of turn your you know kind of turn your turn away from me mm-hmm. or like flinch yeah. and be scared. So I adopted that mindset, right? So coming to Marquette, you know, from people who grew up like in the, the inner city life, it may have been like harder for them to adjust because it is a PWI, which for people who don't understand that means predominantly white institution. But for me, it was super easy. And so because it's super easy, I was like, oh, well, I mean, it's just, you know, just like high school again. But then when I joined, I really started growing a strong sense of of myself when we had that core class together, Andrew, mm-hmm. uh, the core on, like, on race and racism. Mm-hmm. And then when I joined McNair, which for people who don't know, McNair is a scholar program for minority students who are trying to go to grad school. And when I started surrounding myself with minorities, I'm just like, man, like, where has this been? But... For a while, I've been I was hesitant to reach out to my community because you know I was afraid I was gonna get rejected because I wasn't to their standards, and so that's why when we were at Soulmans, that's why I was talking about you know I just feel like the community since the community is not here, and like another thing like Milwaukee's a dangerous place you know I mean we everyone knows that, but everyone knows also the nod you know oh what's up like you know you don't have to know Everybody the person knows the nod. Mm-hmm. yep you don't have to know the person but yep. it's just like it's just a respect right but. I'll give the nod to someone who looks like me and they kind of give me like, look the other way. Like, yeah, I got earrings. Yeah, I got tattoos, but I mean, we can still be friends. Like that, that don't, mm-hmm. that don't make me who you think I am. 
You deal with that with like students on campus or like just in general, like in the Milwaukee area. General. Dang. But but I'll say more with like the students. Mm-hmm. Also, I'll say more with the students, but in general is what I get too. And so, I guess I want to like start off with just like asking you guys, what are y'all's thoughts on like the black community on campus? And, like how did how how do y'all feel being at like a PWI? And having like and then having like you know not as many people who look like us on campus. We can start with you, Drew. Oh, and then we can go to go around. Oh yeah, officiate. Okay. Yeah, it's kind of like you kind of said it, and it's. Uh, <clears throat> I had a very similar, you know, path to uh, you know Marquette, where you know being in a predominantly white neighborhood, I've learned to um, kind of uh, fit in, you know. And some people might ask, okay. So the way that you talk now, are you talking relaxed? Like, is that the way you want to talk? Yes, I'd probably say so. Um, I'd actually say maybe I might even put on a more of an effort or give more of an effort when I'm around, like, my cousins in the south side of Chicago. You know, I have Mm -hmm. to kind of fit to their lingo a little bit. I can't use – I can't talk the same way or say the same jokes. You know, I have to, you know, kind of, I don't know, change up my, my wording a little bit. But, you know, I, I like you, I feel like I've had to adapt and I've adapted well. So my experience at, at Marquette really hasn't been crazy as far as like a race thing. Um, of course, you get those microaggressions. Um, the biggest race things that I've probably endured is probably the stuff that all of us have endured as far as the, the marches in 2020. Um, having to report and that's the thing especially with um, Hope and I we're journalism majors oh and Rashad too like being in the news or reporting on things and then you can't like always give your opinion on it that's been another twist as well mm-hmm. so it's been very interesting but uh, you know you just adjust and you know how to play the game and I've learned more rules on how to play the game the game is you have to succeed and so how are you gonna how are you gonna find ways to, uh, you know, make yourself successful amongst white people. That's pretty much been the moral of my story. So, Quick comment on that response. It's kind of interesting how, you know, you talk about this game we got to play. You know, if you show your your true motives, not putting air quotes around true motives, you show that too early, the people at the top, they're going to get you out. I mean, if you look at all the past, you know, leaders, black leaders, strong black leaders who have, strive to make a difference odds are they're killed yeah and you know i'm not saying you're gonna get killed yeah, yeah, yeah i'm yeah. saying like that's like that's the extent people will go to exactly and so it's crazy that we gotta us black men and black women we gotta we gotta go we gotta play the game right mm-hmm. so we can get to that power that and then we can start making moves and you know have that support yep. system so i just think how that's pretty that's just pretty interesting and the game is like anywhere from the way that you dress to yep. like your haircut yeah. to um, even like there was one instance where I was in a newsroom with uh, two other black reporters and they told me whenever you walk around a newsroom, like in a professional newsroom, hold just like a piece of paper and just like walk around because then it will seem like you have a motive of walking around. If you're not, if you don't have a piece of paper in your hand or something like it doesn't have to do like be anything like relevant to the conversation. If you don't hold a piece of paper and you're just walking normally they might think like, okay, what is he doing? Like, is he taking a break? You know what I mean? Right. So right. always walk around with a piece of paper and like at a steady pace so people know that you are, you have a purpose for where you're going, which right. is crazy. And I know Hope and I, we talked about like the double 
double pers- double consciousness consciousness yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's what it is do you want to explain what that's about yeah so double consciousness um is a philosophy uh, that basically says that when you're a black person specifically not only are you thinking as a black person but you're also thinking about what white people are thinking about you and so like whenever you're talking to say white people or go out in public or like you said andrew like you're working in a newsroom you're constantly thinking about what do i look right now like what do i look like right now Mm -hmm. like um you know do i look productive do i look busy do i look like i'm you know, doing my job, even if you are like, you're just constantly concerned of like, if you are looking that way to white people. So yeah, that was also um, a term I learned in the core racism class with, um, is it Sheena Carey and like the three professors? Yeah, Sheena, and, um, Dr. Yeah. McFadden. And I'm sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. sorry about the third. <laughs> but yeah, I thought that was very interesting um, philosophy that. But you think, you think it should even be like that? Like, cause I feel like it's kind of annoying don't don't you think that's kind of annoying having to like worry about other people especially like white people being a black person yeah Yeah. it's very annoying but i also feel like the sad part is it feels very innate like it just kind of feels like a thing like i was just born with almost Mm -hmm. which is really sad but um once i learned the concept i was able to like identify that within myself because i couldn't figure out why i felt so like tense around white people or why i was always thinking about what they were thinking about me um but when you're able to put a name to it i feel like it's easier to approach it and dismantle it almost but Mm -hmm. um but yeah double consciousness is crazy yeah i remember me and andrew we had like a two-hour talk (laughs) it was long it was long but but you you mentioned like innate it kind of does start right when you're born for a lot of people they're like I will not name my kid like Deshaun or Cause what will white Tyrone people say? or Daquan. You know yeah. what I mean? Because 24 years later, when he's trying to get a job, what will mm-hmm. a white person think? Like, but yeah, you're literally you know thinking I mean? of their job <laughs> yes. right when they're born. Seconds. Yo, quick comment on that. Literally, my mom like told me she was like, because my middle name is Lamar, and I was oh, and wow. I started. Yeah. I was like, man, I want to start. I want people to call me Lamar, not Trevor. And my mom. That's when my mom told me. She was like, so, you know, I named you Trevor, so you had, like, so people wouldn't, like, judge you from the jump. And then go, going back to, like, when I was making comments about, like, you know, people calling me, like, Oreos or whatever, I was at work uh, at, like, my former incarcerated citizen nonprofit place, and I introduced myself, and then I was like, oh, yeah, to one of the former incarcerated citizens, oh, yeah, I'm Trevor. He's like, oh, I'm going to remember that name. I don't think I've ever seen a black man named with a white boy name. Oh, wow. And I was like, I for sure. As long as it gets me the job. <laughs> yeah, but it's like instances like those yeah. what I'm talking about, yeah. you know what I'm saying, yeah. with, the, with the community. But continue, Hope. Yeah, no, I mean, my mom was the same way. Like, there's a deeper reason for why I'm named Hope. But, like, one of the reasons was, like, literally later in life, it won't sound so black. <laughs> like, there's no other way to say it. And, like, my sister's name is Ashley. Um, so, and again, she had, like other reasons for naming us that but like that was a concern of hers as mm-hmm. like as a black mother of like raising two black children um in america like i want them to have a chance at a future and that's really sad because like white people don't have to think about that mm-hmm. um i would assume but i i'm sure they don't i'm sure no. they're not like <laughs> i'm sure they're not like let me name her rose because she'll get a job you know what i mean mm-hmm. um or she won't be literally discriminated against not just like job discrimination by any kind of discrimination so um and it's easy to say it rolls off to th- you know what i mm-hmm. mean like it's just all those things that you have to think about 
when you're black. But like you said, um, I think that's the innate part of the double consciousness is that it's sort of embedded in us. Um, it seems innate, but like I also think it's just a societal thing too that those are just things we have to worry about. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Now, so, so, to a re- oh, my bad. My fault. I was going to ask like, like coming into you know coming to Marquette, how do you guys feel like you kept that in mind when you first arrived to campus, or maybe as you've as time went on, like do you guys feel like you had to do the same thing, or like I mean obviously you had, but like in what ways kind of whether you were in the classroom or just like I don't know out and about or whatever, like how do you feel like you were able to like think about had to think about like what you're doing and stuff like that as a black person at a PWI. Mm. I think it kind of, for me, at least goes back to what Andrew said, like being a journalism major, I feel like there's just a way you have to conduct yourself um, because people are like, you talk to all kinds of like different people from different backgrounds and like, I feel like they want a palatable black person and like that sounds really bad to say, but I feel like I wouldn't have gotten so far, gotten the opportunities I had if I wasn't like the palatable black person. I don't want to like insult myself but it's true like I know that's exactly why people look for um so to your point I don't know I feel like I've just kind of what Andrew said earlier like you just learn how to play the game Mm -hmm. um and I never consciously thought about that I guess until I came to college but being a journalism all journalism major also kind of contributes to me feeling like I have to like always be on my like p's and q's Mm -hmm. um Mm. like yeah that's me what about you, T? I mean, we kind of already touched on it. I mean, everything, everything that's been said so far, I agree with. But really, I would say probably the game is like the main thing I picked up coming to college and just get, like going through my studies because, you know, through passion with like fully incarcerated citizens. And as I'm reading through like these research articles, I'm finding out like, you know, we've been knowing the solution to lower their chances of going, you know, back to prison, but we're not doing it. And then... Who, um, who's we? Like, black people? We, we, we as in, like, researchers, uh, okay. professors, and people who can who can make it happen. Well, I should... Let me pull that back. People who can, like, who can press for it to happen, but the people who can make it happen, hence politics, they don't, they don't go through with it, right? And so, and when people keep pressing, now, like, if you go back into history, when people keep pressing... Like, the, the people in power like to play the game where, you know, I'll give you some breadcrumbs, but I, I ain't going to give you the full bread. And so if you want more than the breadcrumbs, something's going to happen. And so with this research, currently, you know, I'll give you a few breadcrumbs. I'll give you some, like, donations, fellowships, money, but I ain't going to put in this program that can actually save these people's lives. And so when I saw that, that kind of hit me with just – when I saw that, it kind of just hit me with, you know, man, like, who we, like, we're going, like, we're going against, like, a huge entity, quote-unquote <laughs> entity. Yeah. Like, how can I, how can I defeat that? And, like, coming to PWI, it just, I was, like, I, at, at a point, I was, like, I don't know how many people, like, will stand behind me because it's, like, publicly white people and, mm-hmm. and people who need help or people who are minority. But I would say, like, certain professors, certain mentors saw, saw me as, like, a, a strong black leader, and they, like, they really got behind me and they could they're like, you can do this. Yeah. And they really had confidence in me. And so I would say like the, the professors have helped me a tremendous, believe it or not, and have helped me grow into like that black leader that they saw me, that they saw mm-hmm. before me. 
Yeah. What about you, Rashad? You haven't yeah. answered these questions. I've been, <laughs> man. I've been, I've been thinking too much. I've been thinking. I ain't gonna lie. You have an interesting background, though. With maybe what? that, maybe that one that's a little different than us because you were in more like a minority field environment all the time, from all the way through high school. And I guess that's one thing I would, I would applaud about you is that as much as just one thing, one <laughs> <laughs> of many things. But I would say that you know. As much as we say playing the game and all that, you still are like Rashad. Like you don't change usually like the way you talk. You don't you're just still like yourself. Yeah. And so you make people kind of like, yeah, this is me. Get used to it. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, you know, so I'm from, you know, the Albany Park neighborhood in Chicago. And that's like one of the more diverse neighborhoods in the city. Um, and, you know, I went to school with middle school, like middle school and like high school was like a lot of Hispanic students, but also like a decent amount of black students, too. And, you know, just like coming here, I can't lie, though, like even coming here, it was, you know, weird. And I felt like like I, I did feel weird because it was just like I thought I had to like be different in order to like like fit in or whatever, just to like be um, like, I don't know, noticed or whatever, because like, you know, it was like like in high school, you know, everyone knows you. But like when you go into college, like nobody knows you. And it was like that was like one of the hardest transitions for me, bro. I was just like I was like, dang, I don't even know because I came to the school by myself like nobody from high school but then like i feel like after like 2020 with like the pandemic or not the pandemic but like you know obviously all the riots and things like that it kind of made me realize man i shouldn't have to like feel different or i shouldn't have to be different to like fit in or like to make other people you know um like appreciate me especially not no white people i'm gonna just keep that straight <laughs> just because it's like yeah. that ain't that ain't that ain't me you know so you know, I and I'm always, you know, I understand like how the code switch and stuff works and stuff like that. And of course, I, in certain environments, you gotta do it because that's the game. Like you can't just be, you know, in like a job interview talking like crazy. But at the same time, though, I don't know. I just I, I like being myself, man. You know, I've been more comfortable you know, with myself in the past few years and as I've grown as a man. And you know, to be able to, you know, I'm truly embracing myself and my personality because I know a lot of people, like when they think of me, they think of like who I am as a person and my personality and things like that. So I like hold tight. I hold on to that because, you know, that's me and I don't let mm -hmm. nobody um, try to affect that or try to like take that away from me because that's just me. That's just who I am. And that's what makes you memorable. And then did you have to do that for your internship this past summer when you're working with the Cubs? Um, Even honestly, though, even then, though, like Obviously, look, when you get in there, like, when you go in a new work environment, of course you're going to be, you know, uptight. You're going to be, oh, you need this, sir. You need this, sir. Whatever, whatever, all that stuff. But then, like, <laughs> you as need time. need this, sir. You a servant? I, yeah, I, I was yeah. like, um. I, not all that. That doesn't sound that, that great. What, what service? Not, not all that, but you know what I'm trying you to say. Like, sir. Just being, like, all nice and stuff. But <laughs> We got comedians in here, apparently. Um, but as time, but, like, as it was, like, three months, two, three months, you get comfortable. You don't, you don't, obviously, you don't. I don't change the way I talk, but maybe, like, like when my manager, he's not, like, the, my boss boss, but he was, like, the guy I always reported to. Like, I was, I would always crack jokes with him and stuff like that and just, like, be, and he was a white guy, too, but, or he was a white guy, but even then, I would just be, like, a lot more comfortable. So, in the end, I feel like at some point, like, people do see, like, they don't see, like, who I really am, like, the real me and certain shades of it and stuff like that, so... I would say it comes out at some point, even during school, even during class, mm -hmm. like the way 
our friend, my friend, our friend Lewis, he, I remember when we had AJ's class last year, he was like, he, he told me one time, he was like, man, you be talking to AJ, he's one of our um, professors, he's like, man, you be talking to AJ like he one of the guys or something like that, I'd be <laughs> like, hey man, that's yeah. just, I just, I'm just comfy, <laughs> so, yeah. For sure. No, I feel that, I feel that, and um, did you have another question, Trevor? I was gonna, I was gonna bounce off of that real quick. Um, no, yeah, go for it. You for like the Sobelman's um, thing, we're talking about how we're talking, and Lewis pointed it out. And that kind of reminded me of, um, you know, going back to that theme of community. Whenever we say like, uh, oh, you speak white, you talk black, you don't do this, you don't do that. A lot of the times it's like us, our people, black people yes, saying yes. that yes. to us. Damn. You know, ding, as much ding, as we ding, can ding. say like, you know, white people touch our hair or this and that or, you know, what whatever comment or microaggression we get. Sometimes those comments about you talk white, you're not one of us, comes from our own people. That can hurt the most. Absolutely. You're, and, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Hope. No, I I was just going to say um, I got that comment growing up a lot, too, um, especially because I was like in club tennis and like um, at the time at the time I was in club tennis on a scholarship. Like, I just want to put that out there because people I don't know. I guess they just like assumed I was living this lavish lifestyle. And it was not true. Um, but all of like every single comment I've gotten where it's like, you speak white or you speak so proper or you sound like a white girl, you sound like a Valley girl. Like they've all been black people. Mm. And like you said, like it does contribute to the, um, like when we talk about community, um, I do feel excluded from that. Cause it's like, you just feel like, okay, am I not a black person? But you look black. So it's like <laughs> they're telling you you sound mm-hmm. white, that you're a white person. But the world, and you obviously know that's not true. Um, and so that was like a lot to grapple with when I was like younger because it was like, okay, everyone's telling me I sound white, that I am white, but I'm still facing the consequences of being black. And so you would think that would be enough to bring us together, um, that we're all sort of facing those consequences together. But for some reason, you feel more isolation Um, And again, my last point I'll make is that like saying that like properness is equal to whiteness is like saying blackness is the opposite. Mm -hmm. And so then you're like, while you're saying that to black people as a black person, you're degrading yourself. You're You're degrading your community. Like what? By being like blackness must be improper then it must be. You you know what I mean? Like you. Yeah. 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 So I've I've just never liked that. Um, for Which so is a product reasons. of they always want to say, oh, why do we keep on going back to slavery? But that's literally a product of it, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so that's that's just being real right there. Whenever black people say, oh, you're not talking proper, you're not one of us, then that's just a product of it. You know, we how can we move forward if we ourselves can allow ourselves to move, for, move yeah, forward? Literally. You know what I mean? And yeah. it was it was interesting because uh, we went to the black and brown get down event. Me and Andrew on um what was that Wednesday? Yeah, and basically like for context, the event was for literally like black and brown students, supposed to be white students too, but yeah, but it's called black and brown, so I don't know. Yeah, yeah, I think the way they marketed it was kind of towards black and brown students. That's besides the point. But anyways, like (laughs) it was basically for students to be able to come together and like you know talk about their stories of being a minority student at Marquette. And this one girl, um, she really hit it on the nose. I think her name was like PJ or something like that. Um, she was saying how you know most of the people that she finds out that be talking about her are black people like people that look like her so it kind of goes back to like what we're saying right now about you know like us 
talking down or saying like oh you don't you speak like this you speak like this whatever like and even on campus you know it makes you wonder like uh, where are we as, as a campus at Marquette when it comes to, you know, certain issues when we can't even really support each other like that? You know what I mean? Exactly. Yeah. And so I was going to say, like, earlier, I was like, Drew, you, like, literally read my mind because that was literally the next thing I was going to bring up was just, like, you know, how these, like, these criticisms are coming from our own people. And, like, my comment on that, well, first of all, growing up, you know, it did come from, like, it did come from the white community. But then, like, it would like I'll get like the microaggressions from like our community, and then coming to college is more blatant from our community, and then I'm just like, well, I mean, well, dang, what what do you want me to do? You want mm-hmm. me to, like to to live up to the the name of being a black person that like other people put on us? Like that's like I'm not gonna I'm not gonna do that. And like Rashad, you know, you talked about it earlier. Like you can say true to yourself, <clears throat> and like that's and I like I grow on that. Like I'm gonna be who I am because like you know one I love myself. And so at the end of the day, I know like my family got me, my close friends got me. And so if like other people don't respect me for who I am, then okay, I'll keep it pushing. But there's a there's a different sense of relationship and, and community when like your own people are behind you. And the fact that my own people can't get behind me because I talk a certain way does hurt. It does hurt because I'm like, mm-hmm. man, like we go into the school where there's not that many of us, but the people that are there, like that look like us. Don't even mess with you because you don't you don't grow up from the city. You don't talk like them. Mm-hmm. This this that, and the you other. You don't listen to same music. Mm-hmm. You don't same, listen to same yeah. artists. And so then, like my thing, I'm just like, all right, all right. Let me get this straight. So we're being oppressed, and you know, one of the one of the people in the power, like the people in the power, their biggest fear is us coming together. But we want to keep going against each other, mm-hmm. and I'm like, what got us through all those hardships in the past? This is the community of us having each other's back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So why, why all of a sudden we got to stab each other in the back? Why mm-hmm. all of a sudden we got to talk behind each other's back? Like what is like what are we doing here? Yeah. And so it it is super frustrating because I'm just like, what do you want me? To, I I like I had no choice to grow up in this community. Like growing up in a white community, I had no choice. I'm not, I'm not gonna move out the house and go into the city. <laughs> I move out the house. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I'm sick and tired of <laughs> yeah. Doing this. You know, I, I did. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. And I'm just, I'm just adapting. Like, I, like we said earlier, I'm just adapting. I'm just trying to live my life and win the game. And so it's just frustrating where like people. And so then coming to college, I have more choices. I see more people like us. I'm like, I want to reach out. I want to, you know, understand my mm-hmm. culture more. I want to be around more of my people. Mm-hmm. But then I'm getting re- rejected. And I'm not saying like not honestly someone straight up was like, nah, you can't hang out with us. That yeah. that didn't happen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I'm saying that's the that's the sense you can get. And so, I mean, it's just frustrating, man. Yeah. It's just frustrating. I mean, this is a small little history lesson. We said it before. It dates back to slavery when even when they used to have like slaves have like a competition who can dance the best in front of all the the white masters right there. Whoever won the dance, they would get to eat the the nice food that night it starts from even then um they even had uh other slaves whip other slaves you know yeah. what i mean so they can see that you know yes you're whipping your your uh your brother or your sister or your mommy your dad but make sure that you know now you know don't do that don't cross the line and so they they did that as well um when when harriet tubman was you know really facilitating the underground railroad there were times a lot of people think oh she brought a gun because you know she wanted to protect herself no she brought a gun for the 
slaves that were like, the enslaved people that were like, you know, I don't want to do this. I'm going back to to, to Massa, and <laughs> and right. you know, I'm gonna tell them like, you guys are you guys should not be doing this. And she said, you turn you turn around, you're gonna die, because that's just not that's not helping any of us. Mm-hmm. So that and even like the house slave stuff too. Like yeah. if you were in the house, typically lighter skin, but you know, you were you were favored. And so if so then people in the field would not like the people in the house, the people in the house would not mm-hmm. like the field. Now we have team light skin and team dark skin. Yep. Now we have it to this day. So you're telling me dang, so you're telling me that team light skin versus team dark skin came Sorry. from slavery? To Yo. this day. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's actually nah, that's actually crazy. <laughs> to this day, that that's where it started. And I think oh, right. sorry. I was just gonna say, like to Trevor's point and Andrew's point, um, that division is exactly what the people in power have always wanted because mm-hmm. you can't rise up against us, us being like, you know, if I'm talking about the people in power, yeah. you can't rise up against us if you can't even unite yourselves. Um, and so all of that stuff, like you said, and so many other examples um, just show like the historical roots of our division um, and how, you know, today we're facing the same division and how it's hard to unite us and, Hopefully we're united at some point, but but yeah, I just yeah that point was really good. Both of you guys saying that, appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I and I kind of think about, um, you know, of course we we mentioned team light skin, team dark skin. I gave that that history lesson, um, but it really just reflects on the people today. Um, we look at what campus is like, you know, and Rashad and I, I know we've we've been to a few like Hispanic. Functions. We'll just say functions. We'll say get-togethers. Get-togethers. Fiestas. Yes, sounds ominous. Fiestas. Yes, um, and even like this past school year, uh, or actually like this past semester in the beginning, um, I went to LASO, the, their first board meeting, Latin American Student Organization. Their first meeting, they had it in a classroom, and that classroom was packed. I mean, people were standing up, not enough seats. They they actually mm. moved to a bigger room now, and even that room is packed. And you go to their um, parties and everything like that. There was a party last week. They didn't even advertise it. They didn't put it on socials. Everybody nothing. popped out, bro. But you go to that party, everybody's there. Yeah. Everybody's there. But then you have a, the Black Student Council as a cookout, you know, outside, very nice, you know, good music. And black people go, barely any black people. And if there are, it's going to be clicks or circles or yep. someone's going to go in, yep. grab their food and leave. Not going to talk to nobody. Not going to talk to anybody. You know, there's no like dancing. There's nothing. What What is this about? That's the question that I always ask myself. I don't want to compare us to other races, but we are probably the most divided ethnic group out of all the races. Like on campus or just in general? In general. In general. And it's reflected on campus, yeah. but it's on a wider scale. Mm-hmm. That's agree. just how it is. I mean, <clears throat> I'm going to use an example. So, I mean, like, going back, can y'all hear me okay? Yeah. yeah. All right. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, going back, like, you know, the cookout, you know, with the clicks and the circles, you can, like, like I'll, like, I'll know one person, like, that's in one of the circles. I'll go through, I'll dap him up, and then, you know, I'll want to dap the other people, I'll dap the other people up, and they kind of look at me funny. Yeah, like, like yeah. My fault. Like, <laughs> I'm just trying to be friendly. But there was, like, what's what's annoying, too, is we may not know – Let's say let's say a dance for for instance, we may not know the steps to a dance to a certain song, right? And if I were to ask someone, oh like I don't know how this goes, or if I kind of just sat just sit stand back, then like they're just like oh he ain't black. Happened. I went to a conference down in Baylor, 
uh, for like for research, and it was like McNair Conference was like predominantly like, minorities there. Baylor's it, in Texas, right? Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, towards the more of the south end, and they started playing, you know, black people music. It's like, oh, okay, we can we can like hype, and then you know, I know certain songs and dances to certain songs, but then there's they played some songs. I'm like, oh, I don't know the dances, so like I sat back and like because there's like a big circle, and this dude came up to me afterward. He was in the, he was like in the circle. He comes after me. He's like, hey man, how come you don't know the dance? And I was like, oh, man, I just don't know it. I was like, I just got I gotta just learn it. And he, you know, yeah. he says he says some words <laughs> where I'm just like, dang, dude, like right, I don't right. know, I don't know what you want me to say, but that's like I think I use that example to show like instead of him saying, oh, oh yeah, I'll, I'll teach you it. Oh, wait, don't worry about it. I'll, I'll show you how to do. It. I'll show you the steps. He he's more of attacking me, mm-hmm. trying to belittle you and stuff. Exactly, exactly. Can I can I ask uh, yeah, yeah. everyone if there's a black dance that you do not know that's a popular black dance? Mm, I don't know a lot of them. But what? <laughs> well, okay. What about like? <laughs> Okay, okay. But maybe, let's, um, let's, is this let's, exactly what we were talking about? Exactly. He said, Andrew set you up. I can't lie. Andrew just set you up. Wow. This is the division the, we were talking about. Okay, okay uh, the wobble. <laughs> yeah. Because okay. I remember I was teaching you and you were like. Yeah, so you know like a lot of pop. Can you raise your thing up? I feel like I'm like, there you oh, go. Your mic. There you go. There you um, go. Wait, so, yeah, you know, the you, okay, the popular ones, uh, the, um, the slide to the left. Yes. Slide yes. to the right. Electric. Yeah. Or uh, um, to the right, to the right, I, to yeah, the right. I always get those I, two I, songs mixed up. Yes. Like oh, is that not the same thing. song? The, no. It's not the same like, song. It's too different. <gasps> Everybody clap your hands. That's that, a different song. That's one. And then there's like... Uh, Oh wait, no, no. Cupid shuffle. Like cha-cha slide. Oh, like Cupid, Cupid shuffle. shuffle. Yes. And the electric slide are two different things. Yes, like yeah. yeah, yeah. <gasps> no way. Electric. Yeah. I don't. The more you it's know. electric. Yeah. Oh. Okay. Um. Uh, I, <laughs> uh, no, I don't. I mean, like more like modern ones. I feel like I can't. Oh, like the trendy ones, like getting sturdy. And yeah, trendy. Uh, you be doing I, the TikTok dances? No. Yeah, you do. Oh, oh, oh. hope he's shaking. Hope he's shaking. I just want to rock. I just want to rock. I'll be hitting that too. I'll be ah, ah, ah. Oh, not yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, no. I feel like the classic, like, cookout ones, yeah. like, are, like, you know, I, I got that down. Yeah. But, like, the more modern ones, maybe from, like, like anywhere from, like, 2014 to now, mm. I do not <laughs> know okay. how to do Which is fine. <laughs> because I'm going to be honest. Whenever they, whenever I'm at, a, at like a function and they start playing, you know, your G Herbos, your your little oh, babies, Young Dolph, like all those, like I don't listen to those artists. Oh my god! Uh, and so I'm just like, you know, like I'm just vibing, right? And mm. I'm pretending, like I'm having a good time no matter what. But like, I don't know the words, I don't know these songs, like, and I don't know. I just it just makes me feel different a little, just no, a little yeah, bit for sure. Definitely, it's definitely because you just feel little like losses like loss of sense of a connection because other people like know the song but then like you don't so you're like i don't know what to do but yeah it's funny how you say like uh you don't know like the modern songs but you know like the cookout songs i know i, I know the cookout songs i know a couple like songs like how to dance to it but then it's like the like the og og songs like it's not like it's like the least like the less popular songs I don't know, like the dances to the OG OG. Like I can't think of a name. Like I'll say, I'll like say the, 60s, 70s, or like I'll say more like 80s. Like I can do, I can do like what's the uh, what's that song called? Was like we had like you slap the ground. What's that song called? Oh, isn't that no clue? Isn't that the, uh, isn't that the electric slide? 
Like, like. Oh yeah. It taste is. that candy. Oh, oh. yeah. Candy, candy. Oh, I know. I saw. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I didn't know there was a dance to it. I'm not gonna lie. Um, there is. There is. Yeah. Yeah. It's well, like <laughs> the more you know. <laughs> there we go. The more but, you uh, know. Black History Month. Black, anyways, <laughs> it's like some of the cookout songs. Long story short, some of the yeah. cook, cook, cookout songs. I don't know the dances to, and so like when I go, like when I go to a cookout, because like back at home, I didn't go to the cookouts as much, you know, family reasons. But you know, now like if, like if BSC holds a cookout and I pulled out, and they're playing some of these songs, then like I really feel like lost sense of connection. I'm like, dang, like I'm really not living up to, you know, my culture mm-hmm. because. Everyone seems like everyone knows these songs, but I don't. And so, because like I don't know how to dance, yeah, dance to the song. Then I'm like, I gotta just step out so I don't like mess up their routine. Mm-hmm. But yeah, just saying like, this loss of connection. Right, right. And I, I kind of think about when you think of typical quote unquote black music. I think about Hispanic music, and um, I've seen videos where like the lyrics will be like the most sad things, but it's still like a song that like you can just dance to and everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so people just have a good time at at just with the song, no matter what they're saying. And so I guess my question would be like, what is missing? Do we want to be like other ethnic groups? Maybe the answer is yes, as far as like the community and how do we do it? And maybe that's a huge question. I guess maybe for Hispanics, they have a connection around the Spanish language, like speaking Spanish. Mm-hmm. So that's mm-hmm. that's how they're all linked. Like they can all understand as a separate language compared to like the general public. So that's one reason I think language has a huge thing to do with it. But I think it goes back to something uh, Trevor said earlier. I think that we just need to be more willing to help each other learn the culture better. Yeah. Like there's so much judgment. Like if you don't know slang like a certain slang mm-hmm. word or words, if you don't know a certain song or a dance, or if you've never had a certain type of food or you don't know how to cook it or you don't eat it. Like there's just so much judgment around it versus if you're just willing to like share and like to have a conversation about it. Like, oh, like you've never like heard this song before. Like, you know, let me show you some other ones like it that you might like, or you never like did this dance before. Like, let me show you. Like, you know what I was like teaching so basically you how to wobble? Stop, like gatekeeping. Yes. Yeah, like yeah. stop. Yes. If you were just like less judgmental, I feel like about it. Um, like I remember Andrew when, uh, you're like, I know how to wobble. Like kind of, we were like, I had so much fun, like teaching you, like that was genuinely fun. And you started doing whatever you wanted at the end, <laughs> but, but it was, <laughs> like, it was least. just like, there was no reason for me to be like, you don't know how to do it. Like, uh, like move out the way. What? I'm like, yeah. let me show you. Like, that was just so much fun. So I feel like that's one way. Um, I, the issue itself is like very complex and complicated, but yeah, like Trevor said, I feel like if you're just like more willing to like share and show Mm -hmm. um instead of judging right away i think things would be a lot different because then you can say you have that connection with the other person like rashad taught me how to do this like now we have a bond because we connected Mm -hmm. over that Mm -hmm. and you can teach someone else how to do it who doesn't like it just it can be a ripple effect that way Um, and it can be beautiful that way but people don't choose to share like that yeah i absolutely agree with you i mean and i'm kind of thinking of this like topic more or this question more as like the campus sense of things I don't know, man. I feel like some people just be like, like insecure, and like when and they like don't be trying to, you know, help others out and stuff like that. When it's really, you know, we we all came here to do the same thing, you know, to graduate college, get our bread, walk that stage, I walk that stage yeah. all of that stuff. That's what we were talking about the other day. So it's like, you know, when you were like, got people like that who's just <clears throat> just mean, 
and just like not really like helpful and just like you know people be hating and stuff like that too it's it's disappointing to see man and then you know we talk about like i i, I view the hispanic community here at marquette i think you know obviously everyone's gonna have drama it don't matter but even then you know stuff don't be like super messy like it do with like with like us over here like when people was like arguing like people like arguing in group chat and stuff like that oh like my gosh, yeah. like yeah. stupid stuff like yeah mad over stupid stuff you know what i mean like it's like Yo, it's just like ridiculous so i definitely i definitely agree with you on that hope you know we definitely got to be more open to each other and overall just stop and just in my opinion just stop like being over like just letting petty stuff or stupid small stuff just get in the way of things i think a lot of it has to do with pride for some but like i don't know exactly how but i think pride has something to do with it maybe maybe people like from certain areas don't really want to like represent themselves a certain Mm -hmm. way so that's how they act but honestly i don't i i I can't tell you why it's like this yeah i think definitely in the black community especially black men pride is our like deadly sin yeah we are extremely prideful people and I just want to make just a quick side comment for all the people who are listening to this, like, you know, in the future or like later down the road. I wonder how many of y'all, when we didn't know how to do a dance, like a certain song, we didn't know a certain song. I wonder how many of y'all had that reaction of how you guys can call yourselves black, but you guys don't know the song. If you had that reaction, you, you're proving our point. And we're, that's the issue that we've been trying to tell you guys this whole time is like, we, Drew asked, like, how can we change this? We got to change it by just educating each other on certain things and on certain topics if we want to make a difference and we want to grow stronger together. <clears throat> we got to quit We got to quit this petty stuff and gatekeeping, like, as, like, Rashad brought up. Mm-hmm. And we got to just be like, oh, yeah, if you don't know it, let me teach you. Oh, you grew up with people not, like, people who don't look like you? Oh, okay, let, let me, let me, you know, let me get you, let me get your feet wet and then, let me let me show you how things how things go and how things work. I just think if we really want to make a difference, we gotta start talking with each other with respect. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's that's my two cents. A lot of people will say there is a systemic level to that because when you're yeah. in like the inner cities and people talk about oh black on black crime doesn't exist. Black on black crime does exist. Um, you know, black men since the start of the Vietnam War since like the 1980s. I think that was after the Vietnam War. But anyways, from since the start of the 1980s to now, more black men have died than people in the Vietnam War. More black right. men have died. I don't know what the statistic is for black people in general. Um, and that is a testament to one of the, the inner cities, but just like the rate of black on black crime. Now, a lot of people will say like the systemic level to black people not supporting each other is you know, having to fight for themselves. It's like survival of the fittest. And so when you're surrounded by other people that are at that same level and you're trying to make it, you know, then people have that crabs in the bucket mentality. Like, oh, no, no, no. Like, I see you rising. You know, and that that's something that, that occurs in the black community too, the crabs in the bucket mentality. And that's something that, you know, you don't necessarily see in other, uh, you know, ethnic groups. You know, a lot of um, Hispanics, especially in the inner cities, especially in Chicago that I see a lot. And my dad talks about it, too. You know, a lot of Hispanics, they help each other, you know, their business or if their car breaks down, they know exactly who to call or so they're going to have somebody come out and they're going to build it themselves. Same thing with, you know, Asian groups, Middle Eastern groups. They help each other. We don't really see that in our own community. We don't really see that unless they like family, family. 
Oh, I mean, yeah. That's, that's the only way we can. I mean, yes, we have a strong sense of family. But what, like, Drew's talking about, I mean, in other cultures, I mean, they have connections. Oh, yeah. Yep. With yep. us, it's just yep. your immediate family or your close friends. Yeah. And with the with the crabs in the bucket, it made me think of something. So, a lot of times, you know, I kind of, I'll be rambling, but then I don't take a step back and try to, like, I'm trying to view things from other people's perspective. And so, I can see why someone who grew up maybe in a tough neighborhood or, like, in the city, how they can view someone like me. Like, I had, I grew up in a nice neighborhood, not going to fake. I grew up in a nice neighborhood, and I was privileged. And so, they can see, they can see me, and I can totally see why they would be jealous. Like, why would, why is this black kid, black man, living a great life while I'm over here suffering? And I think that could be a source as to why they don't like, they get upset when someone who grows, who grows up in a, in a nice neighborhood all of a sudden wants to come to, like, you know, to the black culture and wants to learn. So I can see why they can get upset. And this podcast, I, what we've been trying to say is like, hey, like, we're not trying to, one, I didn't have a choice. You know, I was just born into this world, and I'm just trying to live my best life. Two, I don't mean to, I don't be, I don't think, I don't think of less of you because you grew up in a mm-hmm. different path than mm-hmm. I did. That's the whole reason why I'm trying to come back to the culture, get back to the culture in the future. But that's why I'm trying to, you know, join the culture right now and be with my people. Mm-hmm. And so, with that being said, you know, I'm trying to, I want to understand more, like on their side like why they get upset you know i have my hypotheses and i have my 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 guesses but you know it's all about having that conversation yeah it's all about having that conversation and i've heard from cousins too that when you're growing up in the inner city sometimes that mindset of thinking outside of the box and um knowing that there's more out there sometimes that's not that's limited because you're in the inner city, all you know is your block. All you know is the corner store. All you know is don't go in that neighborhood. Don't go on this block. You know how to operate the inner city. You don't really know other places in Chicago or in a, I'm just saying Chicago in, in particular. I think I said this to Rashad that, you know, there are black people in like the suburbs that might know more about the city of Chicago, North, North, uh, West Side, South Side, downtown, than like, kids on the south side of Chicago mm-hmm. because that's all they know. All I know is the south side of Chicago where I grew up on my block, you know? And so there's that limited mindset that sometimes the inner city can can have. Um, and then that causes them to look at people from the suburbs and being like, oh, like he's a white boy. He doesn't know us. He doesn't relate to us. Mm-hmm. When they don't realize that people, slaves were real, enslaved people would literally get killed if they were caught reading a book. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like people literally died for for us just to read a book and have a conversation, an intellectual conversation like this. If they saw or if they heard this podcast back in 1882 or 1835, they'll probably be so happy because we're talking and we're speaking English. You know what I mean? Yeah. When they would have to they would die if they wrote or read a book. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> And that actually made me think of something. It's kind of like off topic a little bit, but um, with you saying that like people, some people in the inner city, like all they know is sort of, you know, down the block, like what neighborhoods not to go Mm -hmm. into. I've thought about this a lot and I realized that um, it is such a privilege to be able to like dream big. Like that kind of seems like a little off topic, but um, in the sense of 
I also didn't grow up like in a in the greatest neighborhood. I always say it was like hood adjacent. It was like there's hood and there's me, you know, yeah. <laughs> adjacent to it. Um, but, adjacent. <laughs> but um, I think that also causes a lot of division too because I've had a lot of good opportunities in my life, thank God. But um, I think it afforded me the opportunity to be able to like dream so that one day I can like you said, Trevor, like give back to the community. And I think some people don't have that opportunity, obviously, like even thinking about going to school or like going to college or, you know, working a good job or having whatever, like that just seems like such a burden on them. So anyways, when you're talking about that, it just made me think about the fact that like, um, like the crab in the bucket mentality, like, you know, um, having that privilege to dream um, or dreaming is a privilege. And I think that sometimes that can like cause a lot of division too. Cause like not everyone has that same mm-hmm. opportunity to like think that big. Um, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. yeah um, for sure. And it's individual, right? Like everyone can think big, but just like sometimes your circumstances, like you said, can limit you um, into thinking like this is all it'll ever be. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you live outside of that or you get great opportunities, if you, even if you do live in the inner city, like, you know, um, that's it is a very like privileged opportunity so right but yeah and they realize that if there is a sense of community back in like the times of slavery if there was a sense of community if they knew how to read maybe one day they could think that they could be the president of the united states and they can create organizations like the naacp and all this other stuff and they could be scholars we can't let that happen Mm -hmm. now you see what happens as a result when you give people power and inspiration to be the change so. absolutely absolutely mm-hmm. i know we uh, i know we're running out of time but rashad we're actually I, going to a break we're actually going to break yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Oh, oh so yeah yeah we, we we're not finished <laughs> we're not sure. finished with you this you thought you was done nah i was gonna just ask i was gonna say rashad i was kind of kind of curious about what your thoughts were on everything we said because i've heard i've heard you speak in a minute man. so i'm gonna hear what your thoughts were quiet, at. Man. on what on what exactly though on just like mainly with the, we've been talking about the crabs in the bucket and like and like kind of just like what are your thoughts on how people in our community some of us tend to want to pull people down with us so they don't succeed they be hating man i mean that's all i can say like you know and that's and i feel like that's an issue that's mainly within like i mean nah i won't say that because i have seen that in like other communities too but i think it's definitely glaring in our community as well um you know a lot of people i mean man man like you know in chicago bro like you go it's a lot of like popular like artists like rappers who don't go back to their own city for a reason because they know people if they like get caught over there they're gonna get killed Mm. and that's like this really sad reality that we live in and i feel like this doesn't really happen in any other community besides like ours you know it's just like people I don't know, man. People just be hating, and it's just like just don't want to really like see you win for real. And it's just, it's just sad to see, man, because you know we do a lot of great things, you know, in and out of our community, and just to see like somebody getting hated on or getting killed, even though they're doing great, they got their family out the hood, they doing this and that, like like it's 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 just crazy, bro. Like I don't know, I just. I just want. I just wish it wasn't like that. Of course, because you know that's just sad to see. You know these young men and women dying from stupid stuff like that. But at the same time, man, that's just the world that we live in, unfortunately. And I just don't know. I don't know, man. I just don't know how. 
I don't know how it could stop. You know, I can't just say, let's stop hating. Because like, <laughs> well, yeah. people, yeah. people, people going to hate regardless, man. But, you know, it's just, yeah, I just feel like within our community, man, we should, we just need to be more united in certain things, man. And it's just, you know, especially when it comes to seeing other people successful, man. I Like, why can't we just uplift each other, man? Yeah. Why it got to be but, all that uh, animosity and things like that? I was going to say, I think um, the point I was trying to make earlier and, like, based off what you said was like i think when people see someone that looks like them and like they've been told their whole lives like you'll be nothing you'll never Mm -hmm. be anything you'll never get anywhere and then they see someone that looks like them who believes that not only they can do it but they did it it's like how how like (laughs) like you look just like me and i've been told i'm nothing Mm -hmm. so what does that mean what does that say about me and and what does that say about you and what does it say about my potential like and i think sometimes people look at that and they get inspired but i feel like sometimes it is the opposite and most times it feels like in our community it's like the opposite of people feel like they need to tear you down because again they've they haven't been told that they'll they'll make it so yeah yeah you should be inspired by the people that look like you but you know it's just other people they take in a different way and you know that's just a sad reality yeah but um good conversation good first half we're gonna take uh short quick break we will be back in a second this is between me and you literally a second literally a second i promise y'all don't go away nowhere welcome back to between me and you we still got our wonderful guests here first off wonderful first half of the show definitely uh learned a lot from these two i guess and from andrew tuba i guess i guess it's something. <laughs> but now we back and we got a little game for y'all uh, before we head out, I think I kind of want to do this with every guest this month. I'm gonna I'm see how y'all like it, but okay. this is I got this from Sheena Carey, Dr. Sheena Carey. Uh, she works with at Marquette and on the first floor of Johnson Hall. This is the anti-racist deck: a hundred meaningful conversations on power, equity, and justice by Ibram X. Kendi. So how it works? It's a card game. So what we're gonna do? I have the stack of cards right here. And how we're going to do it is we're going to each take one, maybe two cards, depending on how much time we got. But have grab a card and we're going to read it out and then answer the question. And all the questions have to do with like uh, societal societal issues and racism and things among that. And according to the box, uh, uh, the the purpose of this will help you uncover your anti-racist powers and make lasting change in your community. So anti-racist powers. (laughs) What does that mean? Like I, I guess we got some sort of powers. I guess. Did you give it a good shuffle, Rashad? Yeah, I, I look. You don't know how shuffle cards are. I just kind of like mixed them around. So are you, yeah, are you gonna way. pick the card and just read it out? And yeah. Like, so here, like, we, oh, this is for you, or Trevor. This. Yeah. Is for you. Or how, you want to start it first? Fine. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> might, might as well. Might we as might as well. well. We might as well. All right. First things first. Racist policies harm Black, Brown, and Indigenous peoples the most. Uh, but often white people f- also face collateral damage from racism. Give some examples of this collateral damage. Also, if you can't answer, like we can just get a new card. Like collateral damage. White people face collateral damage from racism, so they also are harmed at I th- some way. I think it's. I think it was is getting towards that white, white guiltiness. Because mm. like, you know, okay, these racist policies came out way back when, right? And then every time we bring it up. Every time we talk about it, they feel they feel terrible because they didn't do nothing. Like they didn't do anything, right? They just they just like how I said earlier, they were just born. They were just, they were just born into this wealth. They were just born into this privilege. Mm-hmm. They had no choice. And so when they see this, they feel terrible because like man, like dang, like I, you know this is terrible. But then oftentimes, 
you know, people who are affected by that racism, they're they're hating on the white community uh, because they're just like they kind of see them as like the enemy. And I, you know, now like the knowledge, but they coming out of my mouth like earlier. You know, I kind of at certain like certain comments, I would say I'm like, man, I kind of feel like I'm just, I'm just coming straight at the white community, and you know, I feel like that's kind of like the collateral damage is getting as that we blame we're quick to blame them even though they didn't have much to do with certain policies that were brought up back then. So I think that's like that white collateral damage that is talking. Interesting. About. Those are my thoughts. Do you think, um, before we, we can move, unless you want to say something, but before we yeah. move on, do oh. you think that, like, has the, what's that called? The white savior complex? Do you think that plays a role in it, too? Yes. And, like, with the white savior complex, though, it's very interesting because the whole thing with white savior complex is, like, white people are doing this so, like, they look good, right? Mm-hmm. And it's, like, you know, that selfish reasoning. But I'm one to argue that a lot almost everything that we do there's like a little sense of selfishness for instance like we some small like oh you know i went and fed the homeless today that made me feel good and i like that feeling so i'm gonna keep doing it but also like my other my other like motives like i want to help them it makes me feel good because i'm helping them with the white savior complex i think <laughs> people get it sometimes people get it twisted between like white people who generally would like to help others and want to give them a better, like mm-hmm. a better opportunity, and they like helping others because like it makes them feel good, also. But then like other people, the real white savior complex is people are solely doing it for like their own benefits. So it could be like tax benefits, or oh they they can if I'm like a political power person. Oh if I do this then like people are gonna people are gonna vote for me. They're solely they're doing it just for the votes. But like there's other white people out there who genuinely want to help others. So I think sometimes we twist up the white savior complex because yeah. some people are like genuinely want to help, but other people kind of just want to do it for the clout. That's mm. a really good point yeah. because especially when you see like white people go to, let's say like an African village and they say, Hey, we, we built a well for this village in Africa and now they can drink water and all this other stuff. Like people in Africa can drink water, but like, of course you're going to, there's going to be poor areas, you know, uh, there are poor areas in the United States that, have a water crisis you know what i mean flint michigan so i mean why don't we focus here but so a lot of people think about that but there are people genuinely that want to help that want to build something for a uh less fortunate you know area and so i i I, i'm glad you said that because a lot of us think of that oh white savior complex because we i think a lot of us say that because a well is temporary you know a well is a start but i feel like when when white people might be like, uh, oh, I I didn't do this. I'm not racist. I wasn't born in the 1800s. A lot of black people would say, but you can do something about it, you yeah, know, through yeah. uh, voting, through um, influencing, because white people have a very large influence um, in everything. So like mm-hmm. political. So maybe that's why people say, um, yes, they're they're not the bad guy. But you're right. Like some people do. Yes, have that, you know, like, oh, they're the enemy. But it's no, no, you know, it's it's a people. Everybody's a person, of course. Um, People are born into it. You can't control it. But, you know, I I think sometimes we need to give everybody a little more grace, but we have to understand our history Mm. and understand that there's more to do. Some people have more um, influence like white people. That's why black, not just black people, minorities calling white people so much to do it and when when and when they're not doing it 
that's when people get upset and they mm-hmm. start saying, oh, you don't really care. Yes. And you know? I'm glad you brought that up because Dr. King brought that up in one of his speeches, how, you know. The moderate white? Yes. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Uh, that was core class right there. The yeah, letter, yeah, it was. The letter it was. in the Birmingham jail. <laughs> Birmingham jail. Like, yep. re- like the people yeah. who are the, the real enemy, quote mm, unquote, yes. are the people who can do something but choose not to. And so that's like, that's what Drew's talking about and alluding to, like, you know, the white guiltiness is true. And, like, you guys are not fully blamed right. for, like, what's happened. Yeah. But what we can get upset with and what we do get upset with is, you know, you do have the opportunity to make a difference, but you choose not to. But then you can still feel bad. That doesn't mm-hmm. make sense. You can, you can feel bad, but you're not going to do anything about it. Right. You can just keep it pushing. And so, yeah, I think that answers the question. Good response, good response. <laughs> I know he wanted to make that quick, but some of these questions. Some of these questions. Nah, 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 I get it, man. Ooh, yeah. Hey, this is a real talk yeah. podcast, man. This is between real me and talk. you. Dang, we got another white people one. It says, <laughs> not all white people. <laughs> Wait, who's this for? Is this for this, Hope? This is for my, or you want, you want to go? You, you can take it. I'm scared now. Uh, <laughs> not all white people benefit equally from racist policies affecting people of color. What groups of white people benefit the most? What groups of white people ben- benefit the least? Uh, y'all know how to I really um, don't know. Uh, um, I mean, I want because <laughs> I know it means like certain group, but like, I yeah. mean, are they talking about like definitely like people of power? Yeah, uh, middle class and uh, and then upper middle class, of course, first class, of course. Um, I kind of think of like when Trump was in office, mm-hmm. and you have um people in like the rural neighborhoods, um, and you know. This, you know, your Southern whites, especially that yeah. might not be as, uh, you know, earn as high of an income when they're in the neighborhoods. You know, the country people, mm-hmm. you know, uh, there's like this thing that, you know, oh, they're, of course, going to vote for Trump. And but a lot of Trump's things or a lot of the things that uh, you know, J. Cole said it all the time, a lot of the things that they're voting for um, in support of don't even help them, you know. Yeah. A lot of the stuff that minorities are calling upon as far as like equal funding and better resources, you know, some of those people that are living on the countryside, they're going through the same thing. Like there's not much funding. There's not much uh, resources. The schooling isn't the the same as the suburbs. And so maybe that's a group that I think they think that, you know, they vote for uh, their favorite leader, but ultimately they're they might be in similar situations. They're not the same but close to similar situations. That's what I think of. Yeah. yeah. You I hit, don't know. You hit the top of the nail because there's actually some research on like, there'll be studies on like the school system, rural areas, and just kind of like how, like the flaws of it. But then when you look at like suburb er, suburb areas, mm-hmm. you know, there's so many like, the flaws that, that are in the rural areas are fixed in the suburb areas. So, I mean, at the beginning of that question, I was like, man, I'll, you know, first thing that comes to my mind was like talking about different classes but, I mean, like, just as simple as a rural area compared to the suburb area, yeah. I mean, you hit it. Like, yeah. like, I agree with that. That's all I could think of. I mean, as far as, like, the groups that benefit the least, I mean, or benefit the least, would it be, like, people that, like, I don't know, like, white people that live in the hood, maybe? Or is that, like, a bad could. example? Could but be. the quote-unquote poor whites, It could be, like, doing. yeah, like, I was thinking when I first heard it, um, like, white, like, first-generation college students um who not all the time being first generation is being low income but mm-hmm. like sometimes it is so that's a group also like 
like white jewish people like i don't know mm. like i feel like mm. f like you know what i mean like they're also like heavily discriminated against depending on like um the areas in which they live um but yeah i don't know that's a tough question <laughs> yeah i'm about to say i was i was like looking i was like oh question. my goodness this is a tough pass this is meant to be who made this but, oh. uh ibram Shout out Ibram. Shout out Ibram. All right, this is meant to be individual, but I mean, this is this is this is tough. We all need to answer. Yeah, this is tough. It's like a collective group effort. Let's get through this. All right, hope for you. Discuss the color of character of your environment in your institution or community. Are darker people of color more likely to be in less desirable roles than lighter people of color and white people? I feel. Didn't you write an article about something like this? Or probably. Um. Well, I actually think that's a really good question. Yeah. Um, I wish I got that one. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll answer it. <laughs> um, yeah, I think darker skinned people in general, like societally, are like less desired um, dating wise, professionally. Um, I think also when people see like a dark skin for me being a dark skinned woman, um, I think it comes with a connotation of like. And like those stereotypes that they put on dark skinned women that were loud, that were angry, that were aggressive. So, um, so yeah, I, <laughs> I, I'd agree with that statement. Um, what about you guys? Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I've seen it before. I mean, we talked about it a lot in class too, especially, I mean, like magazines would literally like take a dark skinned person or mm-hmm. specifically a dark skinned woman and then like damn near make them white. Yeah. So, you know, it's just, it's you know and obviously it's like falls into the issue of colorism and things like that and um i think we're going to talk about that in one of my classes i forgot which one but yeah oh it's my sociology class but like i mean yeah and it's it's just so weird like in the end like i always thought colorism was like a weird thing especially within like dating preferences and things like that yeah, it's like bro that's real though because it's, it's just like bro like it's it's never this serious like we're all black like we mm-hmm. even though like okay even though we we different shades like man we still go through the same stuff and stuff like that unless you i mean then there's like biracial people too but that's besides the point anyway. the lighter skin people do get favored a, a little bit better yeah I, yeah oh, well, i was talking about like issue wise like if you go through like certain issues like you know like or racism and things like that but even then like even obviously yeah you're right though they do get favored um a lot different differently than darker people do so yeah there is a stat um, that black women are the uh, have the lowest rate out of any ethnic woman in marriage. One out of four um, mm. black women will experience divorce at some point in their lives, and which is a lot greater than any other ethnic like women group. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is I, insane. I think like I mean you if you look at the hood. Who's raising them kids? Yeah, Single moms, black women, yeah. and like that that, guy, that dates back to slavery too. But that's a different history lesson. It's just like <laughs> that's a different episode. <laughs> I mean, if you look at it, I mean, it's a single black woman, and like that's the whole like the whole uh, father going to get milk and not coming back, <laughs> like yeah. that that whole thing. I mean, just that that's why it's just, it's just interesting how yeah. with like you know how black women. Honestly, black women go through so much, and we don't talk about it enough. No, I mean, never. who's gonna? So yeah, like yeah, black men are incarcerated the most. Who's gonna raise them kids, right? Mm-hmm. And like who's and like and they're already in a tough, tough position. But then them kids get raised, and I don't think strong black women get appraised enough. Mm-hmm. And 
yeah, that's all I gotta say. Uh, to the question, agree with all you guys, but yeah, I have a question for Hope. Mm-hmm. So, Trevor makes a good point about you know the single women, black women in the hood, how tough it is. Um, and I kind of had this conversation with um, somebody else as well. But what do you think about when people say like the strong black woman? like mentality yeah. like I don't need no man how do you I'm think sh- yeah, my man got two jobs <laughs> all that stuff <laughs> how um, do you think that plays a role in the one in four the silent suffering oh no no like the, oh. the, like the one in four black women or will get divorced, divorced or people do not find that favorable do you think that mentality of strong black woman is a pro or more of a con or what are your thoughts on that mm. That's interesting. I don't know. Um, I feel like both in a way. Um, I think being a black woman myself, um, it is really cool to have this idea that people think of me as like strong. Um, Because again, like I think historically we've just been thought of as weak. So it's like having that adjective, like a strong black woman, like it, I think it's something that has been, that has helped me get through tough times in the back of my mind. But what I will say is I think it leaves little room for us um, to suffer, <laughs> to be honest. And I don't want to say suffer. That sounds like a bad word. But, like, to have issues and to have real problems um, because people do think of us as strong. So it's like, okay, like, when I'm, you know, um, emotional, um, I remember growing up, like, that was always such a weird thing for me. Like, my mom would be like, we, we don't get the privilege of being emotional, of being soft, of being um, – not strong pretty much so I think it while it works for us I think in some ways I think it also works against us too um it's like a push and pull kind of relationship but um I think it's all in like how you use it but I think in the way that it's it's typically like forced on black women um and again I think it leaves little room for us to just have real emotions about the things that we go through Mm -hmm. so um without being deemed as like weak or Mm -hmm. even if we do say you know, have an issue, I think um, it kind of that mentality can take away from the issues that we do face. So, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. yeah. Good job, Ibram. I think we'll, we should probably make this the last card of the night. It's getting a little late. It's bedtime. But um, for sure. Why, Trevor, for you, why is standing against other bigotry so essential to standing against racism? Can you define bigotries for me? Uh, I wish you didn't ask me that. <laughs> <laughs> like I know, I know. Like, and it I, like it has to do with like racist, like sexism, like other isms. L- yeah. Like, okay, all okay. that stuff. Something like that. Could we, we could answer that, or we can get a, get a new question. We could get a new. You want a new question? Yeah. Yeah. Let's get a new question. This is the question. Can someone who primarily advocates for white women truly be feminist? Can someone who primarily advocates for men of color truly be anti-racist? Why or why not? Okay. That's Damn. a tough question. Ooh, <laughs> that's, a, that that's the third. That's the, that's the third white people question too, man. <laughs> hey, hey, to the white people listen to this, we love y'all. Uh, okay, okay. Walk me through the question again. I'm gonna answer like one by one. Can someone who primarily advocates for white women truly be feminist? No. Why you say I, that? And I say that because, like, how are you gonna, how are you can call yourself like a true feminist, but then. You only go. You only advocating for it for like one race, but it will get. It would get interesting if someone were to twist it. It was like, you know, are you are you a true feminist if you only advocate 
for black women. And like, mm. and then I say, I say it gets tricky because like, you know, I just said a moment ago, black women aren't getting appreciated enough. And so if someone were to, you know, give them that spotlight, I, when I said like, they're not getting appreciated enough, I said that because like, other, it seems like other women are kind of, are getting that appreciation that they deserve, but then like the black women aren't. And so by someone advocating only for like black women, I'm like, okay, well maybe, maybe you are a true feminist because like, you know, the other, the other women are already kind of earning, like earning it or getting their getting that praise yeah but i mean just women in general though don't get as much praise as they deserve so i would stick to my answer and say like you know if you just stick to one race i wouldn't say you're a true feminist so in other words no white women 2023 i'm kidding boy he's trying he's trying to make me i try and get you in trouble i can't lie you you remember rashad in uh, hip-hop class when we were talking about feminism and music and like women around the world like foreign women they actually don't agree with the uh, feminist ideology that mm. Americans and like Western society says feminism is. Um, at its definition, you know, feminism is just equal rights for women. But the ide- ideology is mainly um, is popularly like geared towards um, here's how women are suffering. Here's why man is not good uh, mm. and all this stuff focuses on that element, man and woman. That's that, that's what it is. But uh, a lot of foreign women say it's more than that. Yo. What about, you know, uh, you know, homosexual women? What about uh, mm. women of uh, d- darker skin color? What about Muslim women? What about, you know, all like people, like the different intersectionalities talk about of everybody. it. It's Yo. not just a man and a woman or a female or a male. It's yeah, not just those black two. And white. Exactly. A whole bunch of gray. Mm. So, you know, it, when people here in America or even just Western society in general think of feminism, we just think of women power, equal rights for women, whereas foreign women think of different women and how we're, they're all struggling, how we need to unite them all. That's interesting. You know? Yeah. And I actually, um, so I wrote a column um, back in either 2020 or 2021 um, for the Marquette Wire Tribune. Um, and <laughs> a little shout out. No, I'm joking. But it was about how like mainstream feminism uh, leaves out like literally anyone who's like not a white woman. Mm-hmm. Um, it seems like when it comes to like feminist movements and stuff like that that have like at least swept our nation, um, they've been like issues that like white women can relate to. But like when it's any other community. Um, and any other woman in a different community, like white women don't really gather and support Mm -hmm. like they should. But like, I think this, I think this is statistically proven, but like, don't quote me on this, but I think like, especially for black women in America, like we are like at the front line of like every movement, but like when it comes to supporting us or supporting other women of color, like if we're specifically talking white women, like they're not really there for that. So I think that's why like, um, that's been a huge conversation as of late of like if you're a person of color and a woman of color like should you consider yourself like a feminist knowing mm-hmm. that the movement itself the mainstream feminist movement doesn't really support you and like yeah. the intersectionalities of the things you'll experience um being a woman whether that's yeah. you know being a black woman being a gay black woman um being a muslim gay black woman like I, you know what i mean yeah, and not just everything. black and not just black too but you know what i mean exactly. so um that's been a big conversation as of late for sure so, yeah there are groups there are like groups of uh women on campus like organizations clubs that um 
would be like, you know, we're going to serve communities of women. So then they'll go to like uh, high schools and junior highs in the suburbs. But as soon as you say, all right, let's go to like uh, all Hispanic high school or or junior high or in the black neighborhoods, they're like, eh, they'd be like, they'd be like, whoa, 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 slow your roll, slow your roll, slow your roll. Or like when you think of like <laughs> when those clubs, and I and I literally can, I'm not gonna say the specific group. I know who like, you're talking. About. Like, and if they'll be like, let's bring in a special guest, let's go to this convention, let's go to these little like workshops. They're not catered to you know women of color. They are mainly catered to. Um, White girls, you know, trying to get them more into the field and build that, you know. Hope you might know what I'm talking yeah, about. I, yeah, I know exactly. You know, I, there, are, there are groups like that on campus. Y'all be messy, like man. That. Yeah, where it's under the umbrella of women, but what they really mean is white women mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and white girls and women. So, Because um, that's viewed as, like, the standard yep. in, like, our society, and that's the messed up mm-hmm. thing. You know, that's why I was trying to – I think I was trying to say that earlier, but I low-key forgot, but, like, a lot of people use white people as, like, the standard for things. And I think I had, a, like, a class where, you know, like, there was a magazine cover where, like, this – there it was, like – I think it was the – what it's, I think it was the New Yorker, like, a long time ago. I looked at it, and they had, like, a – there was, like, the aver- a day in the life of aver- average uh, American teenager, and it's, like, this, like, pale, skinny white boy, like, middle-class family – probably or probably uh, upper class too to be honest but like trying to make it seem like that's like the standard and and that's like the issue because you don't ever consider people that look like us and like what we have to go to like why 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 are we not considered the standard just because we look different you know what i mean so or or why does stuff always you know we always have to if we search something on youtube or whatever we have to add like black to the end of it or something literally hairstyles for black Black. women (laughs) like Close anything, bro. I'm glad y'all brought that up. Y'all watch Atlanta? Yes. Yeah. Oh my so gosh, I, I love that show. Wait, what's Atlanta? Uh, it's with Ch- Childish Gambino. Childish Gambino show. Donald Glover. Yeah. It's on Hulu. It's amazing. Amazing. So it's like a comedy, but like a drama. Dra- it's like dark humor too. Yeah. Like some of the episodes it's... be creepy, but uh. But they also speak on real like stuff it. as well. Yeah, That's the thing. Like some real stuff. And like Childish Gambino, like he a lot of his episodes are kind of based off of like drew like what you know we grew up with because mm-hmm. he was he was referred to as oreo yeah. black you know white boy you know he has black skin like he he talked about that a lot in a lot of his episodes but going back to like the hairstylist and the standard yeah you can put that question away <laughs> <laughs> but uh, <laughs> hairstylist and, and all this and other. there's this one episode so there's a character in the show called paper boy oh my and god that's funny he funny he's so paper, yeah paper and boy. he Y'all remember that one day where he was hanging out with one of his girls and like they went to like the nail salon mm-hmm. and she's like real rude with like the with the lady and then like Paperboy was like, Hey, you ain't gotta do all that and she was saying she was like, Nah, you know, you popular now, you got you gotta put some name like some respect on your name. But something she brought up that I never thought about was how white people or I'll just say certain people <laughs> will do certain things to to be like us black people. For yeah. instance, getting the tan so they're darker, mm. getting that, getting the lip filler so their lips are bigger, mm-hmm. getting that, uh, getting like uh, the BBL so they mm-hmm. have like a bigger butt. And I was like, it's crazy how on the front end, everyone's pressing us like you gotta be like that white standard, but really the hidden truth is you know people trying to be like us, mm-hmm. yep. and it's just like, but that's not getting advertised. 
it's just some it's just some interesting stuff. Some Atlanta, if you haven't seen it, got whoever's it out there, out. check it out. Talk about some real stuff. No, Someone absolutely. said uh, they want our rhythm, but not our blues. Mm. Mm. Who they said want- that? You don't know. He, oh no, his name is Raphael. Oh, he, uh, he actually he works. He works <laughs> I didn't think in, he's gonna uh, know. <laughs> he, he works in Marquette. Uh, yeah, he's a great guy. Um, but yeah, he said they want our rhythm, but not Never. our blues. It's true. That's a pretty. That's a hard line. It, it is. But like you said, like <laughs> black beauty in that way of, um, you know, bigger lips, bigger nose, mm-hmm. curves, tanner skin. Not tanner. Like literally just like darker skin. Darker. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, um, that'll never be the standard of beauty, like the Western standard of beauty, at least. Um, like to your point, just that like there's a standard beauty that revolves around this European standard. Mm-hmm. But like they don't even want to be like that <laughs> like it's just it's so weird and then simultaneously they do so yeah it's a we live in weird times man it's an evil world we live in it's an evil world 2023 hey let it be known future future the the artist that is rashad's like iconic man he looks up to him who so. future yeah why how you, you you just dropped first of all you just dropped that line it's an evil world we live in oh yeah that's what he said. <laughs> i look at forgot he said that <laughs> <laughs> and then he always posts that one infamous uh, future album cover where he's like in the car. Oh, that I never, li- I never liked you. <laughs> Rashad, you always have that. Always edit. has that. I got that. That I one g- is funny. I got that for a reason too. I just be like, I be trolling. I can't lie. I, I like trolling like that. So yeah. Oh, what, what's that game called? So people might. Yes, the anti-racist deck: a hundred meaningful conversations on power, equity, and justice by Egram X Kendi. Uh, you know, very interesting uh, questions we got. I think we might have to bring this back for the whole month. So you know, real. I really like this. Uh, shout out Sheena Carey once again, and shout out our wonderful guest. Yes, sir. Trevor and Hope, y'all. Thanks y'all, for y'all us. ate. Y'all ate. <laughs> oh my fault. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's okay. I appreciate eating. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Oh my goodness. Nah, but thank you guys so much for coming through on the show. Anything else you want to say before we wrap up? Uh, just a couple last comments. First of all, thank you guys for having me out here. It's nice to have this real conversation. Um, just my last comment, I would say, to the minority community is, you know, there's, there's strength in numbers. Let's work together, not against each other. To the white community, I hope, like, when y'all, when y'all listen to this podcast, like, we weren't, we're not trying to attack you guys. We're just trying to say, that you know, what is on our mind if you guys like don't be afraid to speak up and say like you know hey i really like what you said here these are my thoughts because that's how we got to have conversations if we want to make a difference in order to have conversations you got to speak up so feel free to speak out to us yeah word and again thank you guys for having me on the show too to second what trevor said um i think being black is beautiful and when we're able to share our culture with one another um I, i think that's even more beautiful so yeah Nah, we appreciate you all so much. And, uh, you know, we might have to, you know, we, we love having these conversations once again, especially with people that look like us. So, you know, once again, we appreciate y'all. Yeah. Yeah. And I would also add that you mentioned strength in numbers, yep. um, but it's also goes for, you know, not just black people, but we, we need we need each other as far as people of colors. Everybody wants to jump to that term people of color and person of color because they don't they're afraid to say black or mm-hmm. or Indian or Hispanic or whatever. So if we are gonna say keep saying the word people of color, we need people of color to, you know, help one another, you know, and and so uh like the black brown get down, that was really cool to see a lot of different people from different backgrounds come together and so it's good to, that we had this, this conversation so absolutely i appreciate absolutely. y'all and if you guys 
want to have more uh listen to more of this just just stick with us because we're just getting started oh yeah we're getting black started. history month black history month man we lit this whole month we got yeah. some special guests coming next week i ain't even gonna say their names we just gonna, we we coming in with the fire though fire. so yeah appreciate <laughs> you guys once again uh i'm rashad alexander and i'm andrew muzu thank you this is between me and you and we will see y'all next week thank you